Welcome to the Entertainment Engine. Hi, I'm Pete Moore. And my name's Bex Gregory. And together we are the co-hosts of the Entertainment Engine podcast. We are really excited to share more information about our show. The podcast is for new and existing creatives working in music, film and TV. Weekly, we provide our listeners with information, advice and knowledge to help people navigate a career in the entertainment industry. Plus, we have fantastic guests from the world of entertainment who share their stories with us, where we learn from their experience of working in the entertainment business, built in with some fun facts along the way. So be sure to subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, plus many others. We look forward to welcoming you to the show. This week's guest on the Entertainment Engine is New York-based, award-winning filmmaker Anthony Saldana. The latest film Anthony and Jason Figuera have produced is called Straight Off the Canvas, an award-winning documentary that captures the journey and passion of several New York artists that are blind and visually impaired. This amazing film shows us how the visually impaired can create, teach and appreciate art. It features the work of artists and art teachers from the New York City area. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make the conversation this week, but Pete sat down with Anthony and had a great discussion. Both Anthony and Jason have great backstories, looking at how they both met and how they came to decide on making films about groups like the visually impaired. We really hope you enjoy the conversation. Today we have a really special guest, filmmaker all the way from New York City, Anthony Saldana. Anthony, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. And before we get into it, how is um how's your weekend been? How's New York? Is it is it okay at the moment? Is it all singing and dancing? Uh, uh it's it's pretty cold right now. Uh, it, they were expecting some snow this morning. It's really like the, one of the first snowfalls of the, uh, the winter. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's nice to, to have a job during the pandemic. So I, I, I feel blessed about that. Yeah. I was going to say, I think, you know, we won't touch too much on this, on the subject of COVID, but I think it's, it's caused a lot of problems throughout the world. And how's New York sort of coped with it? Anthony, is it, is it is it business as usual now? It, it's taken a, a long time to be business as usual. Uh, I've I went into the city a couple months ago, and a very vibrant vibrant part of New York City was just completely dead. Yeah, I mean for blocks. Yeah. I mean, I I, it's, I haven't been to that part of the city since, but I, I it's gonna it's you know it's gonna take time. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. we are getting back back. It's just there's a lot of uh rules in terms of uh having to show COVID um you know vaccine cards just to get into places of entertainment and restaurants. So yeah, sure. Yeah, it's pretty much the same in London, I think, really. And uh I think um one thing I wanted to ask you is I lived in New York for a while and would you say it's true Anthony, that if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Would you would you stick by that? I believe that's true. Yeah, because it's a tough city, isn't it? I mean, it, it is. It's, a very, <laughs> it's very competitive. 
It's it very competitive. Really is. I mean, I I loved living there. I was there for a couple of years, and um, it, the energy. But I think when I came back back to England, I was mm. exhausted. I was absolutely uh. done in. I was done in for, for a couple of months because it just. Don't know. It, it saps your energy, but in a good way. But it's just like you say, it's a good word. It, competitive is a good word. Yeah, it really is. Um, especially when you you go away to vacation, you're like, wow, it's nice to be around uh, less people. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Whereabouts are you in in New York? Where, where, where I'm, are you living? I'm, I'm from. I was born and raised in Queens, and I'm still here in Queens, New York. So, uh, if so, basically, for anyone in Europe, when you move, when you fly into New York City, uh, there's two major airports in New York City, and they're both located in Queens, New York. <laughs> yeah, that's so. right. I love Queens. It's just. I love New York. I just think it's a great energy. It's a great energy. It's it's a bit like London to me. It's just more busier, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, it's, it's like the melting pot where you you can uh, there's different cultures from all over the world, and if you want any type of food, there is a, a spot in Queens that you can get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm all for that. I'm all for having a and our coffee and a beer and, and grabbing some nice food. What's your favorite um what's your favorite street food then Anthony? What do you sort of like? Favorite street food. Well, I'm I'm Puerto Rican, so uh you know, uh, so you you can uh find me in <laughs> and I'm good to go. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, um I definitely like uh, try to find my Spanish spots to get an empanada or a taco or. Yeah. 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 Uh, and you're happy. You're happy with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> That's good. I went, to, I went to Puerto Rico just, just to get some street food. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and just really going back to sort of the beginning, really, Anthony, I mean, you've got a bachelor in arts and media studies from Queens college university you got a master's degree in communication from New York Institute of Technology. I mean, yes. what was the biggest challenges of these courses? What did you find? Um, both. So, you know, bachelor's is completely different from the master's degree. Um, the bachelor's is kind of like an introduction to the world of media. Um, and it's impossible to really cover um, every single aspect of media in that program. So what I uh, focused on was uh, production, television production, and the program was really um, wonderful in that it it covered the theory of uh, media like film and TV and just where they trained us to be able to write uh, about any type of of um media and and like break it down what's the ideology and and political meeting about and about shots and and that was an important um foundation um and then you know it, it we there was i took a lot of tv production courses and it was like uh you know going into an environment that you're really excited to be there but then like there's such a a great opportunity to learn different um basic 
type of jobs that's required in a TV studio. And then like the chorus, the you know, in the chorus, you know, the the final was to direct your own piece. So you're really learning how to work with a team, how to do it, the, how to work with a director and then to manage a team yourself. So it was really great. And then my master's degree, I, when I once I got my bachelor's, I knew I wanted to get my master's and uh, it it wasn't uh, right away that I got into a master's program. Um, it took about five years just to get into a master's program. And by that point, I knew that I really wanted to focus in and hone into documentary and uh, the master's program itself was really more of an independent study where they said, all right, um, here's your equipment and we'll judge you every couple months. And it was a great opportunity to be able to uh, have a full-time job and be able to work on something that I was really passionate about and uh, get an education off of it. Yeah, no, it sounds, it sounds really interesting. And I think, uh, why did it take sort of five years? Was it, was it through work or just through other avenues? What, well, what? you know, uh, I initially wanted to do, go into my master's program right away. Um, I applied to a, a full-time course and it didn't, I didn't get in. Yeah. And I was like, all right, yeah. well, I got to get a job now. <laughs> and uh, yeah so during the, during the summer i i did a lot of production work uh it was was unpaid they called it internships and i i really did that for maybe my body lasted a couple weeks because um you know doing 12 hour uh days is not healthy and it wasn't no. healthy for my body no no and, no uh, I learned right away that, you know, you have to find a different way to do this or your body's not going to keep up with your, <laughs> your passion. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, absolutely. And I think, um, was it always a passion of yours to, to sort of study film communication? Was that was always at the heart of it when you was growing up? When I was growing up, I just, I had a creative, creative outlet and, you know, I just like wanting a creative outlet. I don't know if I necessarily knew that it was TV or film that I wanted to get into. Uh, when I went to high school, I went to a, a technical vocational high school and I, I pretty quickly learned that I this is I am not a technical person. I don't want to do this with my life. Uh, <laughs> but in that misery, I found other people who are miserable and we uh, had some funny jokes. And, you know, so I always had a comedic spirit at heart. You know, it was just a matter of finding how to um, express that that uh, comedic energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, where do you uh, where do you say you picked that up from? Your mom, your dad, any relatives, or just or just just friends? Where do you sort of get that from? Uh, well, my my father is really like a laid back kind of guy, and then my 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 mother's side is she was one. So my my grandfather would or my my grandparents would get a lot of foster children and my mother was the oldest biological child. So she was in a house full of foster kids and foster uh, wow. siblings. Yeah, so wow. she had, it, you know, she had the. It was a very uh, cutthroat environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, <laughs> you know, and so it was really. Uh, I would say I got it from my mother's side. You know just being uh one of many many in the family you have to 
have some fun to really get through the day. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think um, I think the fun's gone out of the world at the moment, but I do think it's a really important. It's just important just to have a bit of a smile and try and sort of, you know, don't surround yourself with too much negativity or oh, yeah. going around. I just sometimes I know we sometimes it's difficult, but I just think trying to put a smile on your face and you know does help. It does, and I, I think that's one of the things that I I picked up uh, along the way in in ed- my education that you know you the the tone on the set or in not even on the set but just in your work environment can really change when you're trying to be the the bright spot in a you know situation where you know it could go sideways where like for example when i was in high school one of my one of my friends just was like screw it i'm dropping out and i would <laughs> i would bother him every single day until he came back yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. I think that's I think that's important, and I think um, yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of challenges out there that everyone faces, and I do think um, you know it, you you just got to push through, and I do think if you've got a good support network and good people around you, that does help. Um, right. And how many times do you hear people say, "Oh, you can't do that. That's not going to happen." You know, sometimes I've been guilty of saying that in a different way, but I say it on the basis of what, because I know how competitive the world can be, especially being in entertainment. So you try and put it under positive spin. Um, But it is difficult because sometimes people have to go through their own journey to come out the other side to say, yeah, I get it now. I get it. And um, that's that's sometimes quite a hard pill to to sort of take, really. I I would say on the bigger picture of it, It's not so much the, it's really, uh, for me, when I tell you about the experience of having uh, the hardest summer when you, you want to do film and then you work on, on these, these sets and your body is telling you no, no, you, you, you can't do it like this. And so you have to go and and get a day job to be able to support yourself, to be able to do what you want to do. So (laughs) now, and I've been doing that for, for 13 years where I have a customer service career and a a film career. And it's not like, I I really don't listen to to people who say no. Uh, And, and one of the, one things that I had to teach myself was to um, let go of the negativity and failure and not to, to channel the failure and the negativity out into passion because I was just like, ah, oh, screw. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you don't think I'm going to make it? Well, screw you. I'm going to make a documentary and it's going to be perfect. Yeah. You know, yeah, if, yeah, if you, yeah. That, that negativity and, and just failure can fuel me and that wasn't healthy <laughs> no 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 i think sometimes it's good i think sometimes i think that can be used in a really uh in a really good way because when somebody says right. no right. you can't do that or blah or you know blah 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 you're not going to do that then i sometimes think it fuels the other person to sort of go away and go well no, actually no. i am going to go and do that to be honest with you you're right you're right and i'm definitely guilty of, of having that type of attitude well but my um my co-host Bex is 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 like that. She, if you tell her no, she will come back with a yes. And um, you know, it's, it's. I think it's. A good, I think it's a positive thing to have. And I think that's what makes it a really interesting, you know, a really interesting dynamic. Because I think some things you can't achieve, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's political, whether it's just 
things are stacked against you, whatever that might be. But there's still no harm in having a go, to be honest with you. It's true. Because it's true. something else something else would come out of it. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of that. Right. Um, how do you sort of meet your co-producer, Jason Figueri? And did you click sort of straight away, Anthony? Did you have the same ideas, outlook? You know, really like to know more about well, how this sort of developed, really. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, get into that. So uh, my um, sophomore year of college, I was taking a computer science class because it was necessary to take. And uh, I did, I was, it was one of the classes I was doing well in. So I didn't study much. I was putting more, most of my study on the works that I, the classes that I was not doing well in. So it came time for the final and I realized um, I might as well, I think I should open this book. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh i started to panic a bit because like i was good at the class but i'd never opened the book and i re i saw jason in uh in a cafeteria and i'm like oh this this old guy this old guy is in my class <laughs> yeah. and i stopped him we i said hey you studied for the computer science and I and we studied together. Um, he always tells a story that he thought I was I was planning on cheating on him, cheating on on the test with yeah. you know with <laughs> yeah yeah him. yeah yeah. Um, and I didn't. I just and I did well in the test, uh, but that was my introduction to this guy. Uh, it turned out that it was that he was not older than me. He was just a couple months younger. <laughs> he had it. He just. He just was brand new to college and hadn't, you know, hadn't gotten a haircut in a while. But um, I'm, I saw him again on the campus about a year later, and we just started chatting about Dave Chappelle and our love for Dave Chappelle, the comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once again, <laughs> yeah. once again, it's just another example of me meeting somebody through my love of comedy and. Um, so we we found out that we were both in media studies classes, uh, did not take any production class together while in college, which is ironic. Um, I, at the time, was uh, managing a Catholic club on the campus and I needed help. And I, I asked I asked him if he was Catholic. He said yes. And and we for about two to three years on the campus, we were producing uh, events for the Catholic students on campus. And then we graduated and he went to, uh, immediately got an offer to Hofstra University, uh, their documentary program. I looked at him and I said, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, I'll just wait and get a job. <laughs> and, um, when I started to, to realize that I wanted to do a documentary about blind people in my community I, I think he was one of the first people that that i reached out to 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 for help because he was doing a documentary program and i knew that we had chemistry together as friends and as well working together on a you know a catholic club on campus so uh from and that you know i've known him now for about uh over 16 years and it's it's been a great friendship Wow. So I, I think sometimes the best things come out of things like 
what you just said when you have a conversation in your mind thinking well, he looks older than me what's he doing on my course or blah 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 yeah yeah <laughs> you know and that they are the best types of relationships you end up keeping for life because you're sort of going into it thinking what's he doing it what, what why am i talking to you and the end you end up being you know really good mates which i think is quite cool right. really right he just Hadn't got a haircut, and I thought this, this <laughs> old man is taking this course. <laughs> I learned how the computer works. <laughs> exactly, not a bad thing to do either. Not a bad right, thing right. at all, you know. Um, and it, you sort of touched on it as well, and it sort of works in really well, Anthony. Where you, you know your latest film called Straight Off the Canvas. I mean, about how the blind create, teach, and appreciate art. And I think you know when this was brought to us about what you was doing, we think it's really great what you're doing and i think the way the world has become over this last couple of years i think we just got to celebrate what everybody's trying to do because there's creativity in everything so you know this sounds really inspiring and want to know a bit more but i have watched the movie as well did watch the film you sent over and it's amazing how these artists you know what they correct i in my in my job uh that i had picked up after the the summer of of bad production work i started working <laughs> i started working for a sony museum uh here, here in new york city they had a museum at the time oh, cool and, yeah yeah and uh you know they put me at a post by myself at a part of a museum that was just dark and dreary and um then i you know you put me in in that type of job i'm gonna start daydreaming about what i want to do after work and uh really started daydreaming about i wonder how blind people perceive art and in doing that i then went home and i picked up a book by ordin by the name of ordinary daylight a portrait of an artist going blind and it was so profound you know at, at the moment i when i was reading it i didn't know whether i wanted to write a story and then film it or then or write a, do a documentary, but I just was so inspired by that that uh, book that I realized that it, it's I, I, they should tell their own stories and I should just hold the camera as they tell it. So I felt like documentary would be a great opportunity, and because there's I felt that I had a responsibility if I was doing a project about blind people because there you don't see this on television or in film representative represented in a true and honest fashion where the 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 blind person is telling their own story so that's really how it, it began and um i first did a documentary about blind activists to really get a, a sense of what it means to be blind live in new york city being blind uh what are they fighting for um what are the some of the stereotypes that they had to live, live with what what is it like being in the blind community uh i met a several blind uh you know a blind priest a blind rabbi just to get like a a religious uh, you know perspective on disability uh all with the idea that once i was finished meeting the community that i would get to a blind artist because i really wanted to tell a story about how uh, a blind person not only can uh, create art, but teach art and uh, have their works shown in a museum. Yeah, I think that's really uh, just, I, mean, I love hearing stuff like that. And I think, um, I think there's a lesson for everyone to be, you know, to learn in everything like this, really, because sometimes when you go, coming back to what you were saying earlier about negativity, you know, sometimes I've gone through my day today and you bump into the people and they're just moaning about the silliest little things. And I'm like, 
well, you've got your health, you've got everything around you, you've right. got food on the table, what's your problem? Right. Um, and I'm tending to find as well now that I've been, I don't know if you sort of engage with it, Anthony, but I've sort of been watching the Paralympics and, you know, what, what some these people do is absolutely phenomenal. So I think through adversity, there's got to become creativity. And I sometimes think that people forget, um, you know, that they just forget. And I think sometimes they don't really know what they've got until it sort of smacks them in the face. So, you know, I think, it's really, I mean, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that because uh, I, when I, when I was, I had finished the first film, which was straight off the camera. I'm sorry with the first film, which is we're ordinary people. Yeah. Yeah. And it did very well uh, locally won a couple of awards and I felt like this was the time for me to get my master's degree finally and to be able to produce straight off the canvas about a blind yeah. artist. Yeah. And um at the at the time I got into a workplace accident and really unfortunately injured my my back. And uh I, I had already met Elizabeth Castellano who was the is the main star of the of our film. Uh, I was planning on doing an interview with her to just start the film. Um, I, I had seen her in a New York Times article and I just reached out to her and she said, oh, yes, I'm interested. Let's do it. And it was just like, great. And then, you know, you have to feel like, oh, this is a negative thing that just happened to me. My my I, I need to recover from this injury. Um, and so I called her and I said, listen, I, I, I just injured my back and I have to. Um, you know, I have to take some time off to really um, recover from it. And then she told me that she also had a workplace accident uh, that injured her back. And uh, oh wow, okay, it, it forced her to retire. So, you know, at the time, I was very in denial in denial about back injuries because I didn't realize. Uh, because of my lack of knowledge that if you injure your back, it's, it's, it's not a, an injury that's going to go away. You know, it, it's, it takes a lot of work and it's, a, it became a chronic issue for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, in that first year was very difficult, you know, um, but the person that I was filming, Elizabeth, was also going through a very similar situation. So uh, we would like bond together before the film even started. So I, I realized that uh, art therapy would need therapy of of art would be a theme of the film. And uh, so when we finally got to start the pr producing about a year later, uh, just to be able to to f have her say that, you know, even though I'm injured and I was forced to retire and she's got tears in her eyes and she's crying, she says, I'm going to be an artist. I'm going to be an artist the day I die. And, you know, what the what the audience doesn't know because I didn't put myself in the film was that I was going through some stuff behind the camera and how much that motivated me. So just to like, to be able to film her doing the painting in front of the easel, it was uh, pretty emotional for the both of us. Wow. I mean, that, uh, are you okay now? Do, uh, do, do, do you have sort of physiotherapy? How, how have you? Yes. I'm, I'm 
always I'm always in physical therapy. I'm always doing chiropractic. I have yeah, yeah. a much more um understanding of my own body and what my body can do and can't do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like for example, today uh after this podcast, I'm gonna go to wrestling because I love wrestling. <laughs> and, uh I, okay. I decided to take off work because I didn't want to go to work and go to wrestling on the same day. So I could <laughs> it worked out great because I could be here on this podcast and then go to the wrestling show. Exactly. You know, exactly. So I, I know my own body's uh um, limits and I listen to it and also also I want to ask you as well Auntie, when you met Elizabeth do you because you shared that sort of common experience with with an injury did that motivate you even more did you think because you both got something to, you know to share and you've both been through did it sort of motivate you even more to actually do the best work you possibly could yeah uh yeah it, it did and you know I would say that the, on a pain level from one to, to 10, I was at a 50. Wow. <laughs> so I, wow. I wasn't thinking about the film. No. Um, I was I was thinking about getting this pain level to a manageable point. And um, once I did, it was just like, oh, now we have to. Now I now I, I have to work through the pain because this we have to get this done. Um, but then there's little bits of of uh adversity that comes in uh, along the way because you realize that the only way that this film is going to work is if you show her, you know her working with children okay she could work with her own children uh like her biological children teaching them painting but that's not powerful enough i thought uh so we need a i realize that I need to find a, a second um, cast member to tell a to juxtapose a yeah yeah you know a blind another blind uh, art teacher teaching a group of blind kids you know so and yeah, I did yeah. find them at the the Lavelle School of the Blind yeah I, th I think um, <clears throat> there's one of the one of the ladies we work with over here she's a uh, an agent for actors and um, she represents sort of um, disadvantaged and, and sort of disabled actors in the UK and I'll tell you what they're doing some great stuff really really good stuff and they're on sort of prime time TV shows in in, in the UK um, and I think it's just great you know great to see um, Wonderful. And, yeah I really do I, I think there was that little story from me a long long time ago um i was getting on a train and um there was this lady waiting and um i was with with bex and we we, we got on and um, she was blind but she had the most fantastic dog you could ever wish to see anthony he was stunning this animal was the george clooney of of the dog kingdom it was just <laughs> fantastic his <laughs> coat was amazing and we were just sort of talking to her and um she said oh i get stopped everywhere i go every second of the day because everybody i mean her dog was amazing he could have been a hollywood superstar to be honest with you mm -hmm. um but it just sat with me and but she also said that sometimes it's difficult because some people help her and some people don't and mm -hmm. some people got it worse than others but i think if you just sort of try and do a bit and then it, surely that helps to be honest right it it uh really was almost like a calling almost where you 
you have this skill i had these skills and you want to be able to be a an artist and it this was just a a wonderful um opportunity just to share my my skills with the world and be able to tell these stories how did um uh, how i mean obviously you got to be won some really prestigious awards for it how is sort of um i suppose what have journalists said what has what has the blind school said have you had you know constant good feedback with it yeah yeah i i got uh, a really positive review online for it and uh elizabeth really is has been so happy with just um being able to to share her story and um I'm still trying to get it distributed on a wider platform. So I yeah. am so that's one of the reasons why I'm so happy to be on the show today to even discuss the film because I'm, you know, I am not shy about the fact that I would love to see it in in England. And um, I have, you know, reached out to the RNIB, which is a of a blind organization in london and um yeah you know i'm definitely open to to having screenings uh for anyone that's listening absolutely well well absolutely and that's why we why we started the podcast really because we wanted to get different people a bit like you we was in lockdown we thought well actually everything sort of stopped for us you know pretty much what should we do and we decided to do a podcast and then everyone decided to do a podcast. So we were quite happy that we sort of started it when we did. But the other reason behind it was we wanted to share people's stories. We also wanted to sort of, you know, have a, have a beacon for people's stories, timestamp what people have done, but also make awareness to what we do as a company. So we, we come out as sort of as a double edged sword, really. Um, and we felt it was important to bring all different types of people. So we've had movie producers, we've had film directors, we've had global songwriters, we've had you know CEOs from big record companies, um, right. and everyone in between, really. Um, so we found it was important, and um, you know, to to do what we do because I think everyone's got a story, and that's what I, you know, I agree, really like. Yeah, I think everyone's got something to say. Sometimes people think they they don't. Um, but when you start asking, you know, people, when you see the old boy the, or the old girl on, on the side of the street or walking the dog, I always think now you've probably got some really great stories that nobody knows about, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> so, I mean, like creativity can't be stopped, Anthony. Collaboration's always out there with new ideas and stories. Right. Where would you say most of your creativity comes from and, and what really inspires you? While I, while I love documentaries, uh, creatively I get inspired by some things that make me laugh, and because uh, I think it's really a humanity thing to laugh. So I am. Before the pandemic uh, started, I've been involved in the improv community here in New York City. Uh, I was doing improv, watching improv, um, you know, on the stage, doing improv. I start, we, I was a part of an improv group and then the pandemic happened. And uh, so I started meeting improvisers all across the world, um, which was really wonderful. 
uh i also get inspired by just great uh movies um i i i really enjoy films that really have a a good character who you know i i tell my my co-producer jason all the time that you know people don't care about the subject you're talking about people care about people so the first thing you have to focus on is getting a really uh important person and not important person but uh, you know you need a good subject and uh so i i get inspired by a lot uh, i know i mostly mentioned improv but that that's something i'm really passionate about um so yeah well that's cool no that that's cool so what's um What's your favorite movie then? What what what, what movie is? What do you like to watch? Um, comedically, I I love uh, Eddie Murphy's Coming to America, which was like, <laughs> yeah. like if that movie's on uh, in America, yeah. uh, like, and I'm home, that, that I'm watching it. <laughs> uh, only because it's just like a, a guy from Africa comes to my town to find. His- <laughs> yeah. So, it is great it is a great did you see the second one i did what did you think did. what did you think of that it it wasn't on the same level but i was entertained but i'm, yeah. I'm gonna yeah. put i'm gonna say it that way i was yeah. i was entertained by it yeah. uh i did i thought they did a very funny job building up the return of sexual chocolate <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i think um I think when they sort of arrive in Queens and you know, they turn up in their car and everything just disappears and you think, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> and everything well, is just... I have to, I have to <laughs> say one of the, my, one of my uh, like, critis- not criticisms, but uh, I will tell you that I'm, I'm such a fan of the movie that uh, when I heard that the film was coming out, I wanted, I started Googling how to become an extra in a film to figure out how I could get on this set. And, uh, <laughs> then I found out the unfortunate news that it was not being filmed in Queens. It was going to be filmed in Atlanta, Georgia yeah. on Tyler Perry Studios. Yeah. So I, I tried my best to, to become an extra uh, on the film and then fly out to Atlanta for a day just to hang out. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But I would have done it too. I would have done it. <laughs> well, it's something, again, that's like a bucket list thing. You, it's, you've got to do it. It's got to be done. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think coming to America and, and trading trading places. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just great. Just really good. And they don't date. They really they don't, don't date. They, they don't. don't. They don't. Films like that just don't date. And I think, um, yeah, they are really, really good. So what? So what's next? What's your next project? Any ideas yet? What can we expect for twenty twenty two? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually I'm actually in production uh, of my my next project, where uh, my friend Jason, as we were uh, discussing earlier, so so there's a third part of the story that I didn't mention. Uh, back when I said I had an accident, my my star had an accident. So now, like um, my my only person that I've agreed to to be my my right hand man, um, I say let's I'm I'm tired. Let, let's just hang out and we'll have a great time. He says no, I got OCD. Wow. And, okay. Um, 
you don't realize it as a friend what that means <clears throat> so you go okay you have ocd come hang out and you i didn't realize it but anyway he was having these obsessive compulsive breakdowns and that's the best way that i can describe it and he had he lived with his parents and he had his parents videotape him having these breakdowns because him being the filmmaker wanted to document it if this is how he's going to die he wants to he wants to have video evidence of what he was going through so uh, he got some help and he got some therapy. He went to uh, Mount Sinai, um, you know, hospital to do their therapy program for obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, on a, they have a a scale uh, from one to about thirty on how obsessive his tendencies could be. Yeah, and his, yeah. his number was around a twenty twenty nine. Wow. Uh, his fear was about death. So he feared that if he did something a certain way that he would die. And I think that he was so stressed out from obtaining his master's degree uh, and just in that next phase in his life. Uh, and, and the fact that he had a, a very close relative that passed away, it kind of triggered something in his brain that uh, he already he always had OCD, but it just triggered something where now it's like, you know, you're stuck. And um, so so basically he he told me that he wanted to produce a film about his journey. And uh, we had filmed at a, a obsessive compulsive conference several years ago. And but at, at the time, you know, he's so close to it that he couldn't edit the film. So I'm editing the film. And uh, so we're co we're co-directing uh, Jason's story, and this will be the first. Th it's interesting because this is the first documentary that I'm producing where I'm actually in it, <laughs> and um, I'm I'm editing my. Well, I see myself as a comedic sidekick, so I'm finding places in the film where we need comedy. <laughs> And inserting that comedy. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, you, I've got to say, probably yourself and Jason, probably quite unique in the fact that you've come together and you're producing content and you've both yes. gone through adversity yes. um, and you're still doing it. So I, 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 I can't say no more than I'll take my hat off to you both. And you've you got to keep doing it. you got to keep – how is Jason now? Is he is – he, it, you know is he stable is he okay oh, he's, you know stable. He, he's uh his therapy really worked and he's taking med like long-term medication yeah and uh, he's yeah. working he would have been here right now if he's not working so yeah no you know, uh, i definitely recommend him for a future episode that would be uh to get his side of the story yeah absolutely no i would we're, we're, we're definitely uh be up for that um no it's just really good to hear i think that's why it was quite when maxwell came into us and said about you guys and said what he was up to we thought it was not just normal filmmakers and not just you know doing a project you had a bit more well a lot more going on really i think with both of your adversity and obviously your your documentary you know with 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 blind artists so yeah. it's there's a lot more to it than just oh I've got a camera and I'm I'm going to be another filmmaker. Yeah, great. But well, there's there's millions of them, um, and you're doing something a little bit 
you know, off centre, but with your own adversity, I think is um, is really cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, we and, and, and neither of us have been to Hollywood. How about that? <laughs> don't worry, I lived in a. Don't worry, no. I lived in LA for a bit, and it's not what it's all cracked up to be, Anthony. To be honest with you. No, I. As as I get older, I, I have more re- respect for London, like London's film scene, than I do for Hollywood. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, <it's> fun- <laughs> I I love their I love um like British TV shows. <laughs> what do you watch? What do you watch from the, from I, the I UK? Love, oh my god! And so there was before before um Paul Ritter passed away. Yeah, a Friday night dinner is was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've seen a few of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah, I, I, I have, a, as you can tell, I have a dry sense of humor. So, I mean, I, I would love to one day be on an improv stage in in London. And so, uh, there is also <clears throat> a a part of the film that's like an, an a nugget, but we never actually touched on it. And um, so Elizabeth goes on this, I wouldn't say rant, but she, she says this powerful, and I think it's the most powerful moment in, the, in the, the documentary, which she says that blind people can do anything uh, as long as the, as the proper modifications can be put in place so they can do the job. Yeah. So yeah when yeah. she said yeah. that, I was really inspired and reached out to a blind artist, I'm sorry, a blind car mechanic, a blind ballerina, a blind doctor who locally uh, in New York, uh, a blind judge that's in, uh, you know, in U.S. Yeah. serving on Supreme Court. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. Uh, I found a martial artist in U.K., uh, Sensei Mark Brown, who is a blind martial artist, and I put his—I uh, I got permission for him to put it, his picture in the doc in the documentary. But I'm like, I would love to to film a blind uh, martial artist and go that route. But because we put a picture of him in in, in the film, but we never went like in that direction. So wow, I think yeah, I think he's got some really good ideas and some really great energy, and I think. I think just bringing to light people's adversity and what they've done, and I think it just it just highlights even more in the community what people can actually do. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's the most for me. That's probably the most important message because I think, you know, if someone's moaning at me or <clears throat> saying they can't do this, I say, well, go and watch that. Well, look at what that person's just done. Well, they're, they're not moaning, and they've probably got a lot more to deal with than you have. Um, right. So I think, yeah, I think it's a good. I think it's a good strong message. Um, and positive message as well, because you don't know what's in front of you. None of us know what's in front of us. No. And also, like, not to, I mean, this this film took 10 years to make straight off the canvas. From conception to uh, being on this show took 10 years. Wow. So this, yeah. So, and it was worth it. It was worth it. I, I would I would get the master's degree all over again. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's people, you just highlighted another good point as well, Anthony, because I think, People think when someone's really successful, whatever that success is, whether it's money or whatever that might be, um, it takes a long time, you know, 10 years to be an overnight success. You know, people think it just happens. It doesn't. Whatever the project is. And I always get really annoyed with people when they say, well, I haven't really achieved anything. 
yeah, but look at the knowledge that you've gained over the last 10, 20 years. It's, it's, that's what's really important and that's what you've gained and people right. can't take that away from you. And I think that's what, you know, pushes people on because you don't realize until you sit down with somebody and you have a conversation, you don't realize what's in your head until you start having a conversation and think, Oh, actually I do know some stuff to be honest with you. True. Yeah, exactly. Um, and unfortunately, as we come, we come to the end. So, where can our listeners find out more about you, your company, what you're up to? Where, where can they Absolutely. connect? Uh, straight off or straight off canvas.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at straight canvas. Um, you know, I, I just want to say that I, as I said before, I definitely want to get straight off the canvas to United Kingdom. And even if I have to do a virtual screening on my produce one on my own, this has to happen. And I, I am so excited for the, for 2022, because that's, that's one of my bucket lists. While I've never been to London before my film will be. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. And you, you, you started off in the right direction. We're a London based, well, we're all over the world, but we are actually London centric podcast. Um, so, you never know what's around the corner, right? You never know what's around the corner. So if if you're like if you're working for a museum or or a you know a TV sh- station and you want to see you know talk about my documentary, I'm definitely open to listening. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's been a real pleasure to speak to you today, Anthony. Thanks so much Thank for coming on the show, and we wish you all the very best. I appreciate it. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Entertainment Engine. And thanks for listening. Join us again next week for more great guest interviews from the world of entertainment. It would be great to have your feedback on the show. So please drop us a message at any time. We would love to hear from you. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favourite podcast platforms so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening to the show. And remember to all stay safe. The Entertainment Engine.